You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, did you get a chance to catch the Pro Tour this weekend? I did, actually. I caught quite a bit of it. I got to watch both drafts and all three draft rounds and then some standard and then most of the top eight. How about you? I did not catch much of it live. I went back and watched a couple of the drafts on the VOD and I did a lot of work. I learned through every draft on the draft viewer uh, multiple, multiple times, but saw Owen got taken down. Spoiler alert in the semifinals. I was bummed for him. Yeah, that was a bummer for sure. The final, I was like actually watching the the final match and then the turn before it ended, I turned it off because I was like, oh, this is all locked up for for one guy. And then the other guy came back and, and won it. So I had to go back and I was like, all right, well, I got to go back and watch what this this sick top deck was. But there was a lot of like really exciting rounds, uh, at least in limited that, that we watched. We got to see like Sam Black's five color nonsense against Jerry Thompson. That was like a fantastic match. I did see that live. That was insane. I was so sure Sam was going to win and I was rooting for him to win so hard. Yeah, there was a really insane game three. Uh, the first feature match was LSV versus, I think, a, a non-pro. And that ending of that game three was pretty insane. Yeah, there's just a lot of exciting stuff happening. And obviously, I just really like this format. So watching it uh, at, at such a high level was super fun. Have you had a chance to crush some drafts online yourself? I have been drafting a lot online, the crushing part a little less. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten my number of drafts up, though. So if we check in on the leaderboard, uh, I've got 57 drafts now. So well above your number of trophies. Oh, man. Uh, 16 total trophies. It's only a couple more trophies. Lots of finals losses this week. Uh, 108 and 59 record for a rounded up 65% win rate. Nice. Uh, I'm at... 148 drafts and 43 trophies. I was so bummed right after we recorded the podcast last week. I trophied with a deck that you and I had drafted, and then that bumped me up to being first. So I really wanted to like record the podcast while being in first place. So I was like, <laughs> I texted you. I was like, we got to re-record. Just got to re-scrap the whole episode. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm still in third place now, but well below first and second uh, by about like nine trophies. Uh, 297 to 137 win loss for a 68% win rate. So still steadily hanging out in the high 60s here. Yeah, that's awesome. The reason that we're talking about the Pro Tour is because that's what we're going to be doing this episode. We're going to be looking at a bunch of different drafts from the Pro Tour, uh, see how the pros navigated them, see what we might have done differently, see how uh, the decks worked out for them. Um, there was a lot of, I think, a lot of opinionated folks at the Pro Tour this weekend, especially because the format's been out for a little over a month. Um, but before we get into that, we want to talk about our Patreon. Yes, that's right. We do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you as a listener can give back to the show if you so choose. The show will always be free, but we like to encourage folks to give back if they can. Helps uh, us continue to create the product that we want to create, and you get some perks on the side. Base level perk for donating to the Patreon is access to the Lords of Limited Discord. This is the place to be. I say this every week because it really and truly is. We've got a lot of very dedicated, very smart, very diverse 
limited minds there, still talking about draft picks, still talking about card evaluations, still trying to navigate the meta as it shifts online. So if you are an MTGO grinder or if you want the biggest of edges at your FNM drafts, get in on this Discord. Uh, you also, for some higher donations, get access to our show notes. So you get a sort of like visual representation of what we're talking about on the shows, especially when we line up a bunch of drafts. You just get those picks all typed out there for you. And for a little bit higher tier, you get access to a, a pre-show recording. So some behind the scenes, hear us bickering and, and arguing and just hashing <laughs> it out. And then we get on the air and we're we're the best of friends. So you really get that, that behind the scenes, that like VH1 behind the music for anyone who grew up in the 90s. That's, that's what we've got for you here. Uh, and when you donate to the show for the first time, we do want to shout you out. So welcoming this week, Michael, uh, Aiden, Eugenio, Cameron, Tommy, Jarvis, Chris, and Young. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. It means so much to us. Yes, cannot say thank you enough. We also had another cool perk in the Discord uh, this week. We started the Lords of Limited Pro Tour Dominaria Fantasy League. So this was a bit of a last-minute addition to the Discord here. So I've always, I love fantasy football. I know you're all about the fantasy football. Oh, you know me. You know me so well. (laughs) Ethan is not much of a sports person. For those of you that don't watch his stream, he has a sports command. Yes, we love all the sports ball here or something like that. Yeah. So I, I love fantasy football and I've always wanted to do Magic the Gathering fantasy, but I haven't had people to do it with. And then I was like, oh, we can do this in the Discord. It'll be great. So we set it up and everyone picked five individuals of their choice and they could overlap. Uh, you were limited. You were capped at two platinum pros. And then you picked a team uh, from the team series and we assigned points based on pro points earned and like the top four finishing teams. Um, so we have our winners to announce from the uh, Lords of Limited Pro Tour Fantasy League. First place goes to BNM91, and second place goes to Orkrin12. So congratulations to those two. Yeah, yeah, that was super fun. I was like, you set that up last minute, and I was like, eh, whatever. And then I ended up actually picking, making some picks last minute, and it was really fun to just like have that extra level of uh, investment in the Pro Tour that weekend. And also because you're a competition junkie. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know me. You do know me. Only one of all of us picked Owen Turtenwald, and that was the winner. I, I can't believe it. I didn't pick Owen on purpose because I was trying to like metagame, and I figured everyone would pick Owen, and I was trying to spike spike the win. But turns out you're just supposed to pick the best player in the world. I think everyone picked Seth, Seth Manfield. I think that was the like that was the wash pick. Felt like, but yeah, yeah. I can, I'm I'm embarrassed. I posted on Twitter. I'm embarrassed. I didn't pick Owen. He's my, <laughs> he's one of my faves. All right, so before we take a look at the uh, the drafts that we're going to be roundtabling today, we've got some stats, baby, on some winning color pairs for the weekend. Do you want to run these down for us? Yeah, so there's all kinds of stuff you can look up from the Pro Tour, and if you haven't, I highly encourage you to check it out. Like you can put yourself in the seats of the draft viewers, and they also have stats on color pairs, so you, you can see all the decks that 3-0'd, what color pairs they were day one and day two. So we're just sort of going to compile those for you here and list the top performing decks across both days. So in third place for the top three was black, green, and then three or more. Sort of a bummer that they didn't list what the two base colors were for the three or more decks. Uh, And there were a lot of spicy brews out there, some four or five color Navigator's Compass legendary decks. Sam Black piloting one of those. Did you see? So after... So Sam Black's like insane, like I think his mana base was like six, five, four, two, one or something with like three compasses and a skittering surveyor and a grow from the ashes. So if you haven't watched his deck and his draft, 
go back and watch day one, round two with Sam Black versus Jerry Thompson. It's a fantastic match, and Sam's deck is super fun to watch. But then Ben Stark posted at like the end of day one. I guess he like did a draft at home, and he posted a deck that 306 0 with four Navigator's Compass, calling it the Sam Black Special. So there are definitely definitely some spicy brews abound. Yeah, and Sam actually posted on Twitter what he remembered from his picks. If you want to see how somebody navigated that archetype, go give Sam a follow on Twitter. So Black Green and three or more colored decks were tied for third place with 11 total 3-0s across both days. Blue White in second place with 13 3-0s across both days. And number one, Blue Red, 19 across both days. Lots of those were concentrated in day one. Blue Red 3-0'd 15 times on day one. Oh my god. Well, I mean, there's just a lot a lot fewer drafts on day two than there are on day one as well. Yeah, that makes sense. That feels... I, I texted you yesterday, and I was like, it feels pretty good that we've been, like, calling blue, white, and blue, red the best decks of the format, and that that is reflected here in the winningest decks at the Pro Tour. Yeah, it feels really good. Yeah, so blue is still king, at least uh, for the pros uh, at uh, PT Dominaria. So let's take a look at some specific picks. Uh, if you want to take a seat at the roundtable, Ben, we'll walk through our first draft for the day. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're going to look at our day one pods. We, in, in our show notes, we have these linked for you, uh, the draft viewers for the day one pod and the day two pod. You can also, with a bit of uh, difficult Googling, find these yourself. <laughs> so I do wish they were much easier to find. Um, <laughs> but we're going to take a look at Valerio Luminati's uh, day one draft. So cards in contention here for pack one pick one are Vicious Offering, one in a black for the instant to give neg two, neg two to something, and then has Kicker, Sack a Creature to give uh, the creature neg five, neg five instead. Divination, two in a blue, Sorcery, draw two, Sarah Angel, three white, white for the four, four Flying Vigilance, and Tashar, Ancestor's Apostle, this is three and a white for the two, two, that says whenever you cast a historic spell, you may return target creature card with CMC three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, this is a tough pick. I'm immediately going to rule out Divination and Tashar and narrow it down to Vicious Offering and Sarah Angel. This is really close for me. The removal spell is good, cheap, efficient. I think really shines if you've got saplings to sacrifice. So I think pack one, pick one. I'm going to lean towards Sarah Angel because it's always going to do what it's going to do. But there's mm-hmm. some part of me that thinks Vicious Offering might be right here just because it's such a cheap spell. And, you know, we keep talking about double spelling being good. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if Vicious Offering were correct, but I think I'd take Sarah Angel. All right. So we're going to pause in the roundtable here because I have two important questions for you. Mm-hmm. Where are you at on Eviscerate versus Vicious Offering? Pack one, pick one. Eviscerate. And so if Eviscerate were in this pack, would you take Eviscerate or Sarah Angel? <sighs> Probably Eviscerate, I think. Interesting. I am also still on Eviscerate over Vicious Offering, but I think I would still take Sarah Angel over Eviscerate. That is such... It's like nearly a bomb. Must be answered. And if it doesn't, you're just going to win the game. It attacks, it protects, I don't know. I, I think Sarah Angel is so good, even though it's in a color that I'm not super excited to be in. All right, uh, so Valerio also grabs the Sarah Angel, so we're all flying with Vigilance into pack one, pick two, where we see Skittering Surveyor, three mana for the one-two, that when it ETBs, you find a basic land from your library, put it into your hand. Dominant Trapper, this is two and a white for the three-two. Whenever you cast a historic spell, you may tap target creature and opponent controls. Merfolk Trickster, blue-blue for the two-two Merfolk Wizard that has Flash, and when it ETBs, uh, you tap target creature and it loses all abilities until end of turn. The Eldest Reborn, this is the Uncommon Saga, four and a black, chapter one, 
edict your opponent. Chapter 2, they discard a card. Chapter 3, you get to return target creature or planeswalker from a graveyard to the battlefield under your control. And Slimefoot the Stowaway, one black green for the 2-3. Uh, whenever a sapling you control dies, uh, you drain your opponent, and you can pay 4 to make a 1-1 sapling. Yes, we've got a Syria Angel in our pile. I would quickly rule out Dalvinet Trapper as the best white cards. We're not picking a white card to pair up with our Syria Angel. Merfolk Trickster, I also think, is a notch below some of these other cards, power level-wise. Don't let Ryan hear you say that. I oh, know. <laughs> Earmuffs, Ryan. So, the last three cards here are Skittering Surveyor, Eldest Reborn, and Slimefoot. Surveyor leaves you really open, but I just, I'm too tempted by the power level of Eldest Reborn and Slimefoot. Actually, I think I would rule out Slimefoot before Surveyor, honestly. So, for me, it comes down to Surveyor versus Eldest Reborn. Uh, and Eldest Reborn is just so powerful, wins games, and has been consistently backbreaking on the other side of the battlefield when it's played against me. So I think I'm going to land on the Eldest Reborn here. What happened to your firm no-passing Slimefoot policy? Uh, that went away when I kept losing with Black Green over and over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, I think I would still be on... I think power level-wise, I'm on Slimefoot over Eldest Reborn. There's something to be said about, like, we just took a double white card that is powerful that we would like to play, and so taking Eldest Reborn leaves you outs to play both of them, whereas when you take Slimefoot, like, you're probably sacrificing one of these two first picks, unless you end up in, like, white-green splash-black or white-black splash-green. But I think I would still land on Slimefoot, which pains me to pass Skittering Surveyor, because they were not plentiful, at least in the, the featured drafts that we saw. So seeing one here makes me go, ooh. I uh, feel like I got to take it, but power level on Slimefoot just seems too high. Let me let me ask you this. So I feel like you're giving up a lot of flexibility by taking Slimefoot over the Eldest Reborn here. I think that is somewhat true, but I do think that Slimefoot is like powerful enough. Man, I, I, it's hard for me to like say like how much more powerful it is than Eldest Reborn. Yeah, what's the gap? Like it's not much at all. B plus B? If, if there's even a gap, I'm not convinced there is. Yeah, there may not be. I think there is. But yeah, you're right. If there is, it's not big. But it gives you... I like it being like maybe high risk, but also very high reward. Like if you have it early and like build around it. And also it's pick two. So like, yeah, I'm giving up some flexibility. But in theory, if I'm in green, I can get a girl from the ashes. Or if I'm not, I can maybe get a skittering surveyor. Like it's not very hard to have this end up in a deck with Sarah Angel as well when they're your first two picks, I don't think. But is Slimefoot going to shine in a deck with Sarah Angel in it? Probably not, would be my guess. I don't know. Slimefoot like, would, would just be an individual card that could take over the game at parity. No, Slimefoot's going to be total. I, I mean, I guess if we're in black, if it's black, white, splash, green, yeah, that's going to be harder. But green, white, splash, black, yeah, Slimefoot's going to be great in that deck. Is that deck going to be great? I don't know. But Slimefoot will be great in that deck. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that we're kind of not maybe splitting hairs here but like this is uh the the, the thing i will say to you about like I, i'm it makes me so nervous to grab like two powerful five drops at the start of a draft also right but i would think i could pivot so i i'm also not thrilled about having two five drops but i could drop either sarah angel or the eldest reborn easily depending on what i get at this point and i think that's a lot harder to do with slime foot wait why well, I mean, you could you could drop Sarah Angel, yeah, or you're like you're. I guess you're still giving up one of the cards. I yeah. Just the the lanes that you have to go into are narrower. I think. For I guess sli sure. So if you drop Sarah Angel, Slimefoot, you still have the option to splash it. But I think in general, I, I'm trying to stick to not picking a card like Slimefoot when there's a card that's single colored that's as powerful as the Eldest Reborn. Yeah. If Slimefoot were Tatiova, would you take Tatiova? Ah. <laughs> we got him. 
asking the hard questions here <laughs> on Lords of Limited. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> That's so hard. All I right. don't think so. Get back I to I like us. The Eldest Reborn a lot. <laughs> uh, I think that, I think Tatiova is definitely the pick if it's in this pack, but I think that this is tough. Magic is tough, and we're a month in the format, and we still are not, like, agreeing on, like, what things we would want to take, you know? So, Valerio grabbed Slimefoot the Stowaway as well, as uh, as I would have. Uh, moving on to pack one, pick three, we see another Dominant Trapper. We see a Coldwater Snapper, that's a uh, five and a blue for the four-five Hexproof, the Turtle. Uh, Wind Grace Acolyte, that's uh, four and a black for the three-two Flyer. When it ETBs, you gain three life and mill the top three cards of your library. Fiery Intervention, that's four and a red for the sorcery. Choose one, destroy an artifact, or deal five damage to a creature. And Elfheim Druid, one and a green for the zero-two that taps for a green or taps for green-green for kicker spells. Yeah, I mean, some of these cards aren't really in contention. We're just trying to show you what the best card of each color is that you're seeing in the pack so you can kind of get an idea of signals. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a pretty clear Elfheim Druid. Far and away the best card in the pack, regardless of whether you took Eldest Reborn or Slimefoot the Stowaway. Right, yeah, for sure. And that is what Valerio ended up with as well. So we've got a Sarah Angel, a Slimefoot, and an Elfheim Druid going into pick four. Uh, we got an Ancient Animus, one in a green for the instant. Uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. If it's legendary, then that creature fights Another creature you don't control. Uh, Avon Sentry, that's three and a white for the 3-2 Flyer. Dauntless Bodyguard, single white for the 2-1. When it comes into play, you can choose a creature you control, uh, and then you have the option to sack Dauntless Bodyguard to give that creature that you named with it uh, indestructible until end of turn. Memorial to Glory, this is the white memorial. It enters the battlefield tapped, taps for white mana, and you can pay three and a white, tap and sacrifice to make two 1-1 one, one white soldier tokens. And Vodalian Arcanist, one and a blue for the 1-3 that taps for generic mana for instants or sorceries. Yeah, this is a lot less clear of a pick here. So we're seeing some good white cards, like good to medium, medium to good white cards, even Sentry, Dauntless Bodyguard, and Memorial to Glory. Mm -hmm. Ancient Animus, I'm not excited about at all in this format. Certainly hoping to not pick it fourth. And Vidalian Arcanist, while a good blue card, is not going to be the card that moves me into blue. So, so far I've got Sarah Angel, Eldest Reborn, and Elfheim Druid. I think I would land on Avon Sentry here over Dauntless Bodyguard and Memorial to Glory. I've liked that card a lot. It feels like a must-answer threat in the air most of the time, unless it's blanked by a Cloud Reader Sphinx on the other side of the battlefield. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense to me. I would have landed on the Sentry as well, and so does our pilot here, Valerio. Moving on to pack one, pick five, another Avon Sentry, a Jousting Lance. This is the two-mana artifact equipment with equip cost of three. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus oh, and has first strike as long as it's your turn. Knight of New Banalia. This is one and a white for the three one with flavor text. Cabal Paladin, three and a black for the 4-2. Uh, whenever you cast a historic spell, target player loses two life. And Hinterland Harbor, this is the green-blue tapped rare dual land. Yeah, this is a stinker of a pack here, <laughs> if you're Valerio. I think, you know, there's some curve consideration for Knight of New Banalia versus Avon Sentry here, but I think Avon Sentry is enough better that I would just jam another Avon Sentry and feel like I could probably get some some Junker 2s if I wanted them. Mm -hmm. But a card that's really crushed me on the other side of the battlefield is Jousting Lance. And I think, you know, we're maybe heading towards, maybe not uh, Valerio as much, but if I had the Eldest Reborn, I think Black White is probably the deck in the format that most wants a Jousting Lance. Um, and that's still really on my radar here. So I think I like grabbing Jousting Lance over Avon Sentry here. 
Yeah, I hear what you're saying about like that card being kind of oppressive. Maybe I'm undervaluing it. I am constantly like not taking it or not including it in my decks and Twitch chat disagrees with me. Can you talk a bit about why you think it's like better suited in black white or like what sorts of decks you feel like it goes well in? Because I don't this card just seems it's fine, but it's it's so expensive and clunky. Yeah, it goes well. It goes well in bad decks. That's why we never play it. It goes well in bad <laughs> decks. There it is. I don't play this card a lot either, but I frequently am losing to this card, which is frustrating. Like it yeah. goes in decks that play like so white black wants to play like the two two that gets plus one plus oh for each legendary or it wants to play the three one generic knight or like I think white black wants to curve out and use removal and combat tricks and equipment like lance specifically way more than short sword to just attack so jousting lance is good in decks where you're trying to punch through with derpy creatures on the ground which in my opinion is not where i want to be in the format but my decks are planning to block those derpy creatures so if my opponent lands a jousting lance and equips it and i don't have a way to interrupt that it is a problem for the control deck because it turns every one of the opponent's creatures into a real threat yeah that makes a lot of sense there uh that is what valerio landed on as well i think i might have just grabbed the Avon Sentry here, but that could be a mistake as we move into uh, pick one, pack one, pick six. We see another Avon Sentry. We see another Jousting Lance. We see a Sarah Disciple, uh, which is uh, one and a white for the 1-1 one, one flying first strike. Uh, when you cast a Historic spell, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Cross and Druid, two and a green for the 2-3 with Kicker, four and a green. If you kick it when it e enters the battlefield, you gain 10 life, a whopping 10 life. It's basically Thrag Tusk. And <laughs> Thorn Elemental, this is five green green for the 7-7, seven, seven, which when it attacks, you may have it uh, assigned combat damage as though it were not blocked. Yeah, more like not great packs here. I think having picked the Jousting Lance last time, I'd be on Avon Sentry this time. So, and putting myself very firmly into white, and then just need to lower the curve some. So right now I've got Sarah Angel, Eldest Reborn, Elfheim Druid, Avon Sentry, Jousting Lance, and now picking another Avon Sentry here. So we've got our flying threats locked up and just need to get some early, early duders on the ground, preferably some of those uncommon knights. Yeah, that is exactly where Valerio ended. And as this pack rounds out, he sort of dips his toe into to black or green, trying to shore up those early plays, as you said, grabbing a Caligo Skin Witch. That's the modal 1-3 that uh, can mind rot your opponent when you kick it. Uh, and grabs a couple of corrosive oozes towards the end of the pack. Those are the green bears that interact with equipment uh, if your opponent makes some combat mistakes um <laughs> and then in pack two he opens up an ariel which i think is going to solidify at least uh, a black splash this is a super bomb in my opinion uh, this is uh, two white black for the four four with vigilance you can pay two and a white to tap it to create a two two white knight token with vigilance or pay black and tap it and tap x untapped knights you control to destroy target creature with power x or less um, if the game goes long enough with this card on the battlefield I just can't imagine the player with Ariel not winning that game. Yeah, and he also, you know, after opening that Ariel, just waffled around with green a little bit, which didn't make much sense to me. Like at the end of pack one, he picked that Primordial Worm and the two Corrosive Uses. I guess that's the difference between having Eldest Reborn and Slimefoot Stowaway in your pile. Yeah. But after opening Ariel, I just want to be black-white. That card is so good. Casting it consistently is great. But he kept making, you know, alternating between some black and green. It took, took him a while to, to lock in on his second color, and it was unclear what the final deck was going to look like to me. He was very, very white. So might've been sort of a double splash on black and green hmm. uh, and ended up going two one. Yeah. There were a lot of decks like that. They, you know, they do this um, feature on day two called like around the table where they look at all the, the different decks from their featured pod on the coverage team. 
And there were a lot of just like messy kind of looking decks, just like a lot of three color decks, just like no fixing. I'm going to splash these three cards. And I guess people's comfort level with that, or perhaps like their maybe realization that like that might happen might have led to a lot of the sort of like bobbing and weaving that I think we saw in, in a lot of the featured drafts. Yeah, very difficult draft to navigate there for Valerio. All right, we got another draft for you here. This is the king himself, Johnny Magic. <laughs> Are you ready to put yourself in John Finkel's shoes? I sure am, considering what he gets to open pack one, pick one at the Pro Tour. Yeah, pack one, pick one, cracks that first pack. This was on camera, so maybe some of you have seen this. Busts open a Karn. Yeah, must be nice. Must be nice. So just windmill slams Karn. We're going to skip over the pack one, pick one. So you've got a Karn in your pile. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following options. Cloud Reader Sphinx, four and a blue for the three, four flyer that when it ETBs, you get a scry two. Fiery Intervention, four and a red for the sorcery. Destroy target artifact or deal five damage to target creature. And another Elfheim Druid. That's the mana dork that ramps you and adds double green for kicker spells. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, again, pause the round table for some some fun discussions here. Ben, do you have an idea of what your top five commons overall are? If not, you don't You don't need to rack your brain. I do. They're all, unless they've changed drastically, which I can't imagine they have because I've been playing blue a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like the Talarian Scholar. No, no, no. Sorry. I don't mean your uh, most oh. drafted. I mean, do you have like a ranking of like your top five commons, pack one, pick one? Uh, I don't think it's changed much from when we ranked them on the podcast. No. Okay. So like probably Eviscerate, Vicious Offering, Blessed Light, Cloud Reader Sphinx, Blink of an Eye, something like that. So and, Sk- and Skittering Surveyor is in there in the mix, probably at the top. Yeah, so I was having... Uh, I- I'm about there. I think I've got Surveyor, Eviscerate, Offering, Sphinx, Blink, or I think Sphinx Elves. And Ryan Sachs, who uh, is former guest of the show, fellow streamer, very smart, limited mind, someone that we reference a lot on the show, he has Elves as the best common and I get that, but and he thinks that taking Sphinx over Elves is like crazy, but he's very respectful of my bad decisions. Um, <laughs> and so I look at this pack with Cloud Reader Sphinx versus Elfheim Druid, and for me, it's a pretty clear Elfheim Druid. I think that effect is really powerful. It being a zero, like the, the difference between Elves and Elfheim Druid is turn one or turn two. But as I've said before, like it doesn't really matter what you're ramping on turn three or your, like your three drops coming out early is not what matters. What matters is you getting your four and your five drops out early. And both of them do that. And this one has the added bonus of being able to like kick grow from the ashes a turn sooner. And so you get to go like Druid on two and grow from the ashes on three. And then you just have this explosive start, which Lanor Elves can't do. So I have Druid above that, and then so that pushes me into wanting Druid above Sphinx here. But they're both really powerful cards. I just think Druid provides a much more unique effect. Yeah, I hear all that. I think I would still be on Cloud Reader Sphinx here, probably, maybe incorrectly. But I just love that card. I think Blue is insanely good. I think Blue's where I want to be. I have not had much success at all playing Green. So, I mean, probably even to the point of maybe making incorrect picks here. But I am trying to steer myself away from green if I can avoid it, because it feels like green is lacking on ways to interact with the opponent other than like ramping yourself and doing your own bigger stuff than your opponent. But blue really has a lot of ways to interact, specifically blink of an eye is one of the best ones in the format. So really trying to set myself up to be blue if I can. So I think I'd land on cloud or your Sphinx here. Where did, uh, where did the greatest of all time land on Sphinx versus Druid? Greatest of all time is uh, with me. He landed on cloud reader Sphinx. So Ugh. Uh, All right. Well, it feels good to be with Finkel, but I uh, <laughs> could certainly see a case for Elfheim Druid there as well. 
So moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following cards. Aven Sentry, three and a white for that 3-2 flyer. Ancient Animus, and Fiery Intervention. Yeah, I mean, I'm like you, I don't... Like, Ancient Animus, I'm higher on than you are, but I certainly don't want multiples in my decks most of the time, and they don't go in every green deck, and I don't want to take them this early. Same with, like, Avon Sentry feels a little bit more filler. Fiery Intervention, while expensive, if I've got an Elfheim Druid in my pile already, I don't feel too bad about having an, uh, an expensive spell, and it's removal, and it's splashable, and I'm going to grab that here. For me, it's very close for me between Avon Sentry and Fiery Intervention. I like Blue-White a lot. Fiery Intervention feels a little clunky to me at times, but still does get the job done, and blowing up an artifact is surprisingly relevant, especially when you're facing down Icy Manipulator. Yeah. I think I would land on Fiery Intervention, but I would be sad to be passing the Avon Sentry here. Well, you're in luck, I think. Yeah, Finkel agrees, and selected fiery intervention as well so karn cloud reader sphinx fiery intervention in the pile for us you've got an elfheim druid over the sphinx for you moving on to pack one pick four you see the following options another avon sentry jousting lance sapperling migration one in a green for the sorcery that makes two sapperlings you can kick it for four extra mana and make four sapperlings instead and hinterland harbor the blue green duel so these packs are going to start to look a little familiar as John Finkel was at the same table as Valerio, our first draft. Yeah, this pack is kind of disappointing. I think I probably should take Sapperling Migration here. I'm very tempted by the land. Like, this is the, the kind of time where, like, I see a pack of cards that I'm not super excited about. I am much lower on Sapperling Migration than I think a lot of the pros are, at least listening to, like, limited resources or Ben Stark. Like, they really like Sapperling Migration a lot more than I do. And this is a time where grabbing Hingeland Harbor is nice because, like, if I do end up I don't know, green X splashing something, or if I'm green blue splashing that fiery intervention, like this land is just going to be good. I don't fear going short on playables in this format. So I'm not worried about grabbing that land here and passing on a migration. But I think all that said, I should probably just take the migration, especially having the Elfheim Druid to like kick it two turns sooner. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, for me, it's between the land migration and sentry. I think after having Cloud Reader Sphinx and fiery intervention, I really want to play that Cloud Reader Sphinx. I think I would take Inner Land Harbor here over Sapling Migration and Avon Sentry and just sort of postpone my choice mm-hmm. about what my my second color is going to be. You know, I've got that Fire Intervention. Maybe I end up in blue-red. Maybe not. Maybe I open a Tachova down the road that I want to splash. I think it gives me a lot of flexibility moving forwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Finkel agrees with you and selected Sapling Migration. So he's got Karn, Sphinx, Fiery Intervention, and Sapling Migration in his pile now. Moving on to pack one, pick five, another Avon Sentry. Thorn Elemental, that's 7 mana, 7, 7. And Talarian Scholar, 2 in a blue for the 2, 3 Wizard. Love that guy. I do too. So, but I have navigated this draft differently, and I don't have a Cloud Reader Sphinx in my pile, so I would be on Thorn Elemental here. If I have the Sphinx, I think I take the Scholar. Yeah, Finkel agrees. I would be on Scholar. Finkel slams Scholar there. Moving on to pack one, pick six. You have a choice between Weight of Memory and Gitu Chronicler. Weight of Memory is the three blue blue for the draw three and mill someone three, either you or your opponent. And Gitu Chronicler is the one in a red for the one three. And if you pay four red red and kick it, I have those kicker costs shortcutted in my mana in my head as just like a total mana cost for yeah. the card. Yeah. Um, I don't actually know the kicker costs. I just know what the card totally costs when you kick it. <laughs> the return target instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah. Again, this is pretty interesting. If I had navigated this draft the way with that Elfheim Druid, which really does make a difference, I would grab Gitu Chronicler here. 
If I had Sphinx and Scholar, I think I would take Weight of Memory. But uh, yeah, it looks like I, I would have gone out maybe leading myself down a like green-red kicker deck route. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I would have landed on Weight of Memory for myself here. Although it's very close between a Weight of Memory and Gichu Chronicler. And Gichu Chronicler sort of leaves you out to get into Wizards. Uh, and it's good with the fiery intervention that we've already got. I don't know. Maybe Gichu Chronicler is just correct. That card's very good. The thing that I don't like about Gitu Chronicler with the way... so you, And you and Finkel are, are pick for pick right now, yeah? Uh, or you, no. might, you might I have took, taken... I took Hinterland Harbor over Sapling Migration. The thing that I don't like about taking Chronicler here is that that leaves you with two blue cards and two red cards after six picks. Right. And maybe Chronicler is going to be better in a deck. Maybe it is just more powerful than Weight of Memory. But if you take Weight of Memory here, then you have three blue cards after six picks and your Karn. And you can just like just like be like, I'm going to be blue and I'll figure out what the second color is supposed to be later. I think that flexibility is important here. I agree. I think I, I, think I ultimately would have landed on Weight of Memory. Uh, Finkel did take Gitu Chronicler. And ended up going straight 3-0, right? With blue-red. Yeah, his blue-red deck he posted on Twitter was ridiculous. He had Karn, he opened up Helm of the Host, pack 2, pick 1. So that's that uh, equipment that, like, copies the creature that it's equipped to, makes a token with haste that doesn't disappear. Um, he got an Adelise, the blue-red uncommon wizard, a fight with fire, two Cloud Reader Sphinxes. Like, his deck looked absurd, uh, and he ended up 3-0-ing to start off his Pro Tour. So, pretty, pretty dece. We've got... Another draft for you here from the same table. Are you ready to take a seat, Ben? Let's do it. And so this is Vidianto Wajaya. Apologies for butchering that name. But pack one, pick one. You see the following cards. We've got a blink of an eye. Uh, this is one and a blue for the instant to bounce target non-land permanent. And it has kicker one and a blue draw card. Uh, Sapperling Migration. That's the make a bunch of one one cards. And Joyra Weatherlight Captain. This is two blue red for the three three legend that says whenever you cast a historic spell, draw a card. Yeah, this is close for me. Sapperling Migration is not even in the conversation for me. I think Blink's better than Sapperling Migration by a decent notch. So it comes down to Blink versus Joyra. Joyra is very powerful, but is two colors and not a card I'd be thrilled to splash necessarily. Like she asks a lot of your deck for a pack one, pick one card, but you could build around her as well. Uh, I think I'm just going to settle on the card that I know is going to be great time in and time out and is going to give me a lot of flexibility in the draft. And that's Blink of an Eye. Yeah, I know that I would take Joy. Like, if I'm streaming, I'm taking Joyra, no question. If I'm at day one of the Pro Tour, I don't know. It's very, it's, it's scary to me to take a card like Joyra. But I have played with her a fair bit, and I do think the card is quite powerful. But it, you're absolutely right that it does require a lot of your deck. So Blink seems like the much safer pick to me. Joyra, the spicier pick. Vidianto was feeling a little spice on day one, and he grabbed Joyra here. Moving on to pack one, pick two. See an Academy Journey Mage. That's the, the Bounce Wizard. Four and a blue for the three two. ETBs bounces a creature your opponent controls. Costs one less if you control another wizard. There's the Gitu Chronicler. That's the Red Kicker one three. Quende Pride of Femrith. This is three and a white for the 2-2 with double strike. It's a legend, and it says uh, creatures you control with first strike have double strike. Uh, Weight of Memory, that's the five mana, draw three, mill three. And Daring Archaeologist is the rare here. This is three and a white for the 3-3. When it ETBs, you can return an artifact from your graveyard to your hand, and whenever you cast a historic spell, it gets a plus and plus one counter on it. Yeah, this is a lot of medium power-leveled <laughs> cards here. Uh-huh. Nothing really good enough to make me want to move into a second color with a card as good as Academy Journey Mage in the pack. So I think I would just slam Academy Journey Mage here to pair up with my Blink of an Eye. 
stay blue and try to figure it out as we go. I don't think any of these other cards are enough better than Academy Journey Mage uh, to make me want to abandon blue. Yeah, so the thing that I will say about my experience with Joyra Weatherlight Captain is that very rarely does the card end up in a base blue-red deck because, like, blue-red isn't really trying to do the historic thing. So it's often, like, you're blue-black splashing it or you're blue-white splashing it or red-white splashing it. So moving into another color for this card is not doesn't feel like that bad. That said, I think Daring Archaeologist is too cute. Like, I get what's happening here, and this is the card that Vidianto does end up grabbing, the rare, that also has historic synergies, but... I think starting off with two things that care about Historic in three different colors that are both like four mana three threes is not the best move here. And I think grabbing something that's going to be a little bit more consistent, whether that's like you want to grab a Weight of Memory here for card draw, that's totally fine, I think. You want to grab a Gitu Chronicler as a modal spell, that's fine. Like you want to grab Quende here as a card that's going to trigger Joyra, I think that's also fine. I think Archaeologist is is on the lowest rung here. And I think certainly if you started off the draft with Blink of an Eye, grabbing Academy Journey Mage makes a ton of sense to me. Well, so I think this pick really illustrates too the downside of taking a of specific a card that asks as much of your deck as Joyra pack one pick one because mm-hmm. you're not you're not thrilled about taking anything out of this pack if you've got Joyra as your first pick whereas like there are a lot of cards you'd be thrilled with if you had a single colored card as your first pick well like I feel I feel totally fine taking Academy Journey Mage here I mean and I guess you probably would as well if you had Joyra but yeah I feel very I feel much better having a blink in a Journey Mage than I would having a Joyra in a Journey Mage I agree completely I think I think you just don't really take Journey Mage here if you take Joyra first I think that's kind of on the bottom of I think that's below taking you probably take Chronicler or Wait I think just to like stay in one of the colors and give yourself like both cards that like are good in like late game and grinding out value, which is also what Joyra wants to do. I think I would probably land on Chronicler, but yeah, you're right. That feels worse than taking Blink into Journey Mage. Moving on to pack one, pick three. We've got a Vodalian Arcanist, one of the blue for the one three, taps for mana for instance or sorceries, a Cloud Reader Sphinx, a Fiery Intervention, and an Avon Sentry. Yeah, again, all fine, similarly power-leveled cards here. I think Sphinx stands out above the rest. Uh, For me, going Blink Journey Mage, I'm thrilled to slam Sphinx here. That's going to be a great addition to my deck. Not even much to consider. I agree. Even if I was on Joyra Chronicler, I would just go, ooh, great, Sphinx. Like, Sphinx third pick feels kind of like you're cheating, which is crazy because it's a common. Vedantio grabbed Fiery Intervention here, which is a little confusing to me considering he has a joyra um maybe he was just thinking he wanted the removal over another like powerful high-end card as a as a creature wanted some interaction but taking intervention over sphinx when you've got a blue red card just feels a little weird to me personally but what do i know i'm not at the pro tour correct neither am i <laughs> back one pick four uh he looks at the following cards he's got a divination a blood tallow candle that's the uh, one mana artifact that you can pay six tap sacrifice to give target creature neg five neg five until end of turn Partic Wanderer is the six mana artifact creature, five five with trample. Rampaging Cyclops. This is the uh, three and a red for a four four, and as long as there are two more creatures blocking it, it gets minus two minus o. And Tashar, Ancestor's Apostle, that's the 3 and a white, 2-2 flying, legendary, rare, that uh, says when you cast a historic spell, you get to return a creature card with CMC 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, I'm just going to stick to blue here. I'm thrilled to see Divination 4th, slamming it in my pile. I'm mono blue. This is but this would be my dream draft at the Pro Tour, yeah, <laughs> just to go blink Journey Mage, Sphinx, Divination. You're missing out on all this spice. There's a Joyra, which cares about you casting historic spells, an Archaeologist. 
the same. <laughs> I don't a care tush- about spice. I tush- want to win. A Tashar that cares about historic spells being cast. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, this is very cute. If you want like uh, a lot of synergy, I guess grabbing Tashar here is doing it. But then you got to start grabbing some historic spells at some point, right? I mean, Tashar is historic also, so that, that's, that's good. Yeah. But and again, I want to point out here, like, so a fiery intervention, the last pick, Blood Tallow Candle, if you've got a Joyra, like the thing I want to do five damage or neg five, neg five in my Joyra deck is Blood Tallow Candle. I think that's another reason for Cloud Reader Sphinx over fiery intervention last pick. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense too. Like you're going to get candles probably. So, and that that's the difference between not being able to blow up an artifact, blah, blah, blah. But it's uh, it's colorless and a cheap trigger for your Joyra. I agree with that. But Deonto grabs Tashar here and looks like is all in on the historic ETB train. Pack one, pick five. See an Academy Drake, two and a blue for the two, two. Uh, that you can also pay a kicker of four to get two plus one plus one counters on it. Deep Freeze, that's the two and a blue Enchantment makes the creature an 0-4, loses all abilities, becomes a wall. Uh, Skittering Surveyor, the 1-2 for 3 mana that finds a basic land. And Merfolk Trickster, the blue-blue Flash 2-2 that uh, taps a creature and makes it lose all abilities until end of turn. How many times has Deep Freeze turning something into a wall been relevant for Juggernaut for you in this format? Like, never. Oh, it's been relevant like two or three times, and I have both won and lost games because of it and Juggernaut interacting. (laughs) Are you playing Juggernaut? I have played Juggernaut, and I've I've been on the other side of it, too. Just stop playing Juggernaut. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> so, again, we've got Academy Drake, Deep Freeze, Surveyor, Trickster. I am in heaven looking at this pack. I'm mono blue so far. Surveyor opens up a lot of flexibility, but I've already got flexibility because I'm mono blue. I think Trickster's great. I would be slamming Trickster here. Yeah, if I'm you, I'm slamming Trickster. And if I'm Vidianto, I'm slamming Surveyor. Like, this is the dream card. It helps the wonky mana base that he may have because he's trying to go three colors and it triggers all of his Historic Matters cards. So that is clearly what he grabs there. I mean, it's pretty pretty interesting to see just in these first five picks uh, how drastically different these two drafts ended up. And I think, I mean... You feel like you are much more set up to navigate this draft or like take advantage of opening like bombs in packs two and pack three. You're also like deep in the best color. That was one of the things that blew my mind watching some of these drafts was just how open blue was. For the past like two weeks, it's felt like people were talking about like, oh, blue's drying up in the competitive queues. And if that's where the pros are, like, I I don't know. It just seemed like maybe people were like, leveling themselves and deciding not to draft blue and then just shipping lsv and finkel these like nuts blue decks yeah maybe i don't know next picks there's a cold water snapper of adelian arcanist i would be thrilled to be in this seat be drafting blue you would have been mono blue i mean as it sits uh yeah vidianto has to grab a couple awkward white cards that are not great because like has to grab a trapper that's a three mana three two a dauntless bodyguard the one mana two one even century four mana three two flyer like these are all fine cards i mean save for the trapper in my opinion but they're all aggressively bent cards. They're not cards that are good at blocking. And when you've got strong value engines like Joyra, like Archaeologist, and like Apostle that you're trying to build around and maximize the amount of value you can get out of them, what you want to be doing is making the game go long so you can bury your opponent in the advantage that you get. And those white, low-toughness creatures don't let you do that. Yeah. And then in pack two, he opened and took Raf Capuchin, which I also would have slammed in my mono-blue draft. And he ended up playing blue-white, Uh, which I probably would have as well in the seat. But packs two and three, there were a lot of picks that would have gone differently than than what I would have done, but probably because we had such different different starts to the draft. Yeah, for sure. And the deck ended up going one, two. All right. 
we're moving on to day two. What, what, what do you got for me? This is a Lucas Bertu. Apologies if I'm saying that name wrong. I think that's right. His day two. So you've crushed day one. You ran the tables. I don't know what his day one record was, but let's he was, say you. He, he literally crushed. He was 8-0. Oh, was he 8-0? He was 8-0, I think. Yeah. I thought I thought I had 6-2 and two stuck in my head for some reason. All right. 8-0. So literally crushed. You're sitting down to your day two draft. Pack one, pick one. You see the following options. Skittering Surveyor. Three mana for the one two that lets you search up a basic when it ETBs. Cloud Reader Sphinx. Memorial to Genius. That's the blue memorial that you can pay four and a blue to tap sack to draw two cards. And Shauna Sisse's Legacy, one and a green for the zero star star that has power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control and can't be targeted by abilities your opponents control. So I would pretty quickly narrow this down to Skittering Surveyor and Cloud Raider Sphinx. I could see arguments for Memorial being better than Sphinx, but I think Sphinx is just too powerful to take the land over it. But I'm going to stick with my pack one, pick one orders. And even though I'd be bummed to pass what I think is the best blue common, I think I have to take the card that I believe is going to leave me the most flexible for the rest of the draft, and that is Skittering Surveyor. So I had a an epiphany moment when I was looking at this draft viewer. Mm-hmm. So a couple weeks ago, you were way ahead of the pros, I think, saying that Skittering Surveyor was awesome and a very good first pick and one of the best commons. And you should, like, you know, Ben S, I think, came out saying he would first pick it over Sarah Angel. No, no, he was saying he would take Sphinx over Sarah Angel. Oh, somebody would told me, maybe that was just Twitch chat getting their facts mixed up. I had, I'd heard, heard Skittering Surveyor over Sarah Angel. Well, he did say in one of his most recent, like, what's the picks, that Skittering Surveyor is the common, he's on my team of like, this is the best common to pack one, pick one. Yes. And so I had an epiphany moment when I looked at this draft log, you know, when you brought this up the last time, I told you maybe I wasn't ready to be on board yet, and I still thought I'd take Eviscerate over Surveyor but maybe that you were just 80 drafts ahead of the rest of us and you just knew what was up. And I think that's true. Uh, I think Skittering Surveyor just offers you so much flexibility in your draft and you're going to get powerful cards. That's the thing I need to keep reminding myself is that the powerful cards will come and if you have the ability to cast them, you can pick them, put them in your deck and they will be great. So just being able to pack one, pick one Surveyor is so, so, so strong. I think I would be that on that here as well over Cloud Reader Sphinx. Lucas Bertu disagrees and selected cloud reader sphinx i think that pick's super close could not fault anyone for doing that especially at the pro tour but i think for me personally now i'm on the surveyor pack one pick one train over all the commons yeah moving on to pack one pick two you see the following options another skittering surveyor academy drake two and a blue for that two two flyer with kicker seal away one and a white for the enchantment with flash exile target tapped creature and opponent controls and garner the blood flame three black red for the three three with flash when she enters the battlefield Return all creature cards from your graveyard to your hand that were put there from anywhere this turn, and other creatures you control have haste. Nicely done from memory there, Ben. Well, well done. That's because I've played Garna a couple times now. Yeah. I mean, if it's good enough to first pick, it's good enough to second pick, and I would be thrilled to start my draft with two surveyors. Seal Away is a great removal spell, in my opinion, and certainly one of the payoffs for grabbing a card like Surveyor, because you can just go, oh, I can splash this removal spell that's very good. But I would I would much rather just start with the two Surveyors. I'll get removal in some color, and that's the benefit of having the Mana Fixers early, is that it doesn't matter what color that removal is going to be in. I think I agree. I think I would slam Skittering Surveyor number two, and then you can do literally whatever you want at yeah. this point in the draft. Whatever you want. The world is your oyster. Lucas selected Seal Away. Again, totally reasonable pick. I could not fault anyone for making it. Cloud Reader Sphinx Seal Away is a strong start to a draft. It just, you're giving up a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. in taking those cards over Skittering Surveyor. So moving on to pack one, pick three. 
See the following options. Vidalian Arcanist, one in a blue for the 1-3 that taps for mana to cast instants and sorceries. Diabonet Trapper, Windgrace Acolyte, Joy was familiar, 4 mana for that 2-2 flyer that makes your historic spells cost 1 less to cast. And Primeval's Glorious, is, or is it Primavals? I always called this Primeval's. I don't, I mean. In my head. I think Primaval is like a thing it looked like in the Primaval? art, maybe. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. I, I, I can't even say, like, Freilis correctly. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce this when, like, it looks like one word. Primeval's. But it, Primeval would be, like, E-V-I-L, right? I mean, I am never going to cast this card, so do I need to know <laughs> how to <laughs> oh, say you're, it? You're going to get a Sam Black Brew before the end of the format. Don't even lie. I don't know. I don't know if I have the Cajones to, to get, like, three Navigator's Compass in my deck. <laughs> so this is five white-black for the Legendary Sorcery, and you return all Legendary Permanent cards, I believe, from your graveyard to the battlefield. Maybe it's just Legendary Creatures. I think it's Permanence, but I don't know. I told you, I'm not casting the cards. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so this pack is not an example of, like, pack one, pick three, a payoff for taking surveys early. Like, I'm not seeing anything super powerful. I mean, I guess Primaval's Rebirth is, like, kind of powerful, but also seems nearly impossible to make work in Limited. I think I would just grab Joyra's Familiar here. Like, it's another colorless card. It leaves me open. I've already got two things that will be cheaper with Joyra's Familiar in play, and a 4-mana 2-2 flyer isn't great, but it's not the worst either, and I don't have to commit to a color yet, so that's what I'd take. I think I would be on Arcanist with the two Surveyors, just because I know I want to be blue, and my blue decks want Arcanist, but Joyra's Familiar seems reasonable to me. Lucas settled on Diabonant Trapper here, which is a card I don't love. I think if I'm blue-white, I would want Arcanist over Dominant Trapper in my Cloud Reader Sphinx Sealaway start. Yeah, I agree. I'm just sort of off Dominant Trapper altogether. I just don't... I don't ever draft decks that utilize it well, and I am never really that impressed by it on the other side of the battlefield. Like, yes, there have been times when, like, I stabilize and I just need them to not top deck a Historic spell, and they do, and I lose, but those times are few and far between, and, and usually this card is, I, I think, gets embarrassed pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it's best in the black-white aggressive deck. I think that's where it re its home really is. Mm -hmm. Moving on to pack one, pick four, you see Academy Journey Mage, Relic Runner, one in a blue for the 2-1. When you cast a historic spell, it becomes unblockable. Pegasus Courser, two in a white for the 1-3 flyer that can jump another creature into the air with it when it attacks. And Memorial to Unity, that's the green memorial. You can pay two in a green, tap, sacrifice it, and look at the top five cards of your library and reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. This is kind of tough like if i take in joyra's familiar that's like going to go best in some kind of esper deck because that's where a lot of the historic matters things are at so then that leads me to look at journey mage and courser but if i'm really looking at like power level i think memorial to unity is probably like the best card in the pack and that might be what i would take here with my three colorless cards, I get to grab uh, a utility land here. But if that's not here, I think I grab Courser over Journey Mage. Yeah, for me, having picked Vidalian Arcanist pick three, I think I'd pick Journey Mage to go along with it. That right. gives me some outs to be wizards, and I definitely know I'm solidifying myself in blue, which is something I want to do anyway. Lucas selected Pegasus Courser here, which makes sense to me after picking the Diabonet Trapper. Pairs very well with it in a white-based aggressive deck. Moving on to pack one, pick five, you see the following options. Another Vidalian Arcanist, Blood Tallow Candle, Skizik, uh, three and a red for the five, three Trample Haste that you can kick for an extra red mana to keep it around. Otherwise, you've got to sacrifice it if you cast it for four mana. And Weight of Memory. Yeah, so if I've got Surveyor, Surveyor, Familiar, Courser, there's no white cards here. 
I'd probably just take weight of memory. Um, you know, I've already got some mana selection slash like it's not ramp, but like surveyors are are copies of lands and getting some some ways to use those lands in terms of drawing a bunch of cards sounds good. So I'd probably grab weight of memory here. I think I would also be on weight of memory over the second Arcanist here to get some card draw going. Lucas selects his first red card in Skizik. So maybe giving himself the option to go into a white-red beatdown style deck. Yeah, I mean, you're not seeing... I guess, you know, blue could still be open. Like, you just saw a Journey Mage. You're seeing an Arcanist and a Weight of Memory here. Like, I wouldn't be too ready to move off of blue-white. Uh, Skizik is a powerful card, not one that I love very much, but I think that's just because it doesn't go in the kinds of decks that I often draft. I think I recognize that it, it can be quite powerful and explosive in, in some decks. So maybe that's what Lucas is is hedging on here, that like this is maybe a signal that a red aggressive deck is where his seat wants to be, and perhaps he should be grabbing that here and then pivoting into like red, blue, or red, white. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And I certainly think Skizik goes the best with his most recent picks of Pegasus Courser and Dominant Trapper. So yeah, I could see that there. Pack rounds out. Uh, he grabs a Knight of Nubinalia, an Avon Sentry, and a Tiana Ship's Caretaker. Nothing super powerful there. So it does look maybe like he's navigating his way into some sort of a red-white aggressive deck. And I was thinking, you know, after I looked at the first eight picks, you know, I texted you. You had said you really wanted to review this draft. And I thought, you know, his draft is going fine. He's got like a good white-red aggressive deck. Is that what I want to do in the format? No, doesn't mean that's not what he wants to do in the format. Mm -hmm. And the deck ended up going 1-2. But then I looked at packs 2 and pack 3. And there were so many powerful cards there. Didn't he open Demon Lord Belzenlock? Yes, and picked it, and then like like just made so many different picks in pack two and pack three. It felt like it took him a long time to settle onto something. I didn't look super closely at pack two and pack three. I mean, that is one of the reasons I like Surveyor. I mean, yeah, we're talking about a, a, a mythic rare bomb here that you're not going to see that much, but opening a powerful rare or uncommon in this format is not unlikely. And so when you have the two surveyors, you get to go, all right, well, I opened Bells and Lock. I'm going to try and make that work. And I think it really, because Bells and Lock was so head and shoulders above power level wise what he had taken in pack one, that he was very encouraged to try and make that work. And I think that really derailed the draft for him um, and made figuring out what two colors he was supposed to be difficult. He then he even, to my disappointment, he had a shot at a third surveyor and passed it for a Gideon's Reproach. Oh, no. In pack three, yeah, which was a bummer. Because especially because there were, like, no surveyors that were seen in the, the day one pod. So I was like, you uh, we could have had it all. But, you know, I, what do I know? I, I did not go 8-0 at day one of the Pro Tour. So um, much, much easier to have hindsight here and look at these picks. Yes, very, hindsight is always twenty twenty. All right, so... If it was good enough to look at day one, I want to take a look at another John Finkel draft in day two. Uh, specifically, I think this this pack one pick one is one that a lot of people were talking about. It was referenced a lot on coverage, and that is that he had the choice between Rampaging Cyclops, the four mana four four uh, for three and a red uh, that gets minus two minus zero oh if it's being blocked by two or more things, and Blessed Light, four and a white for the instant to exile target art, uh, creature or enchantment. Yeah, this was the pick heard around the world. I was streaming after this happened Saturday night, and everyone kept coming into Twitch chat and asking me about it. For me, it's a blessed light 10 out of 10 times, but yeah. I'm also not John Finkel. So. Yeah, so he, I think, went over this draft with Brian David Marshall on coverage and just said, like, I don't want to be white. I do not want to be white in this format, and I do really want to be blue-red. So he was just drafting strong preferences, strong, I mean, we, we could say forcing an archetype here, taking what I think most people consider like 
a filler 23rd card in Rampaging Cyclops, and a premium, perhaps best white common in Blessed Light, and just deciding, nope, it's not where I want to be, that's not the success that I've had. And certainly, to his testament, Blue-Red had the most 3-0s of the weekend. So trying to aim for that does not seem that crazy to me. If you're trying to, you're not trying to 2-1 to or 1-2, right? You're trying to spike that win, you're trying to get to the top eight, especially when you're John Finkel. So I think that, that makes sense to me, but that is bold. That feels very bold. What I would really like to know is if the rest of Team Ultimate Card Pro would make that same pick as John. That yeah. would, I've been, I'm super curious about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I wish we could just tweet at the team and, <laughs> and see which of them were on Blessed Light and which were on Cyclops. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so he grabs the Cyclops here. Uh, pack one, pick two. He's got an Academy Journey Mage, a Pegasus Courser, a Goblin Barrage. This is three and a red for the sorcery, deal four, and then you can kick it by sacrificing an artifact or a Goblin to deal four to target player or Planeswalker. And a Memorial to Unity. That's the uh, green Memorial... Yeah, so I think if I'm John and I first picked Rampaging Cyclops, I'm going to be thrilled to see a Goblin Barrage here. It's a fine removal spell to go along with my first pick of the Cyclops. Uh, if I'm trying to put myself into red and avoid white, for me, if I'd first picked Blessed Light, I think it's a pretty clear Pegasus Courser to go along with my Blessed Light. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty interesting how those that like were already diverging pretty hard if we had taken two white cards or two red cards. It's, it's a big difference. Pack one, pick three. He's got a Skizik, a Fiery Intervention. A Call the Cavalry, that's three and a white for the sorcery to make two, two, two knights with vigilance, and a Vodalian Arcanist. Yeah, this is interesting here if you've started with two red cards in the Cyclops and the Barrage between Skizix and Fiery Intervention. I think I agree. Uh, so Finkel picked Fiery Intervention. I would be on Fiery Intervention also over the Skizik. Skizik has underperformed to me. It trades with everything on the planet and just does a few damage to the opponent. Now, if you can get them when they've attacked you, then it does some serious work, but that's fewer and far between, I think. For me, having gone Blessed Light into Courser, I think I would be on Call the Cavalry over Arcanist here and just stick to my white guns. Yeah, I, I, I would have been with you, I think, on the, the three white cards. John Fagel, unsurprisingly, grabs a red removal spell in Intervention. Um, and I think this next pick is, is the one that I really thought was, was super interesting. I mean, not much can be more interesting than taking a 4-4 over Blessed Light, but uh, we've got pack one, pick four. You see a Keldon Overseer, Ben's favorite card, two and a red for a 3-1 three, <laughs> three with haste. Uh, it has kicker for three and a red, or I think, no, it's just kicker for four. And uh, if you pay the kicker when it comes into play, you get to act of treason, a creature, grab it, untap it, it gains haste, and you control it. Uh, until end of turn there is a whisper blood liturgist that's the uh, three and a black for the two two legendary creature it has tap sacrifice two creatures to return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield another academy journey mage and a tempest gin which is blue 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 for a zero four uh, and it says that tempest gin gets plus one plus so for each island you control and it has flying yeah so Either way, you know, you've got triple red card or triple white card. I think you're taking a blue card here over Whisper Blood Liturgist. I think the other cards are enough more powerful than Keldon Overseer, even if you're John Finkel, that you're taking a different colored card here. So to me, the decision comes down to... I'm not super high on Whisper. I have lost to Whisper. Like, Whisper either feels totally busted in the deck it's in, or, like, sort of does nothing at all. So mm-hmm. I think I'd rather be trying to pick my Whispers up later than rather than pick it up early and build around it. So to me, it's between Journey Mage and Tempest Gin. That seems like a huge signal here that blue might be open getting past Tempest Gin. And if I do end up blue, I think I'd rather have the Tempest Gin in my pile than Academy Journey Mage. So I would land on Tempest Gin here with my three white cards. 
Yeah, this pick seems really difficult to me because I hear what you're saying. Like, Tempest Gin does feel like a blue signal. It's a very powerful card, certainly, like, in terms of pack one, pick one, raw power level, this is the best card left. But if I'm blue-red, I think Journey Mage is going to shine, perhaps depending on how assertive my deck is, maybe even more than Tempest Gin, because unless I'm very heavy blue, which with my three red card start doesn't seem like that's where it's going, at least now, that Tempest Gin may not come down until turn six. And if I'm an assertive red deck, Journey Mage is going to be great at just like continually punishing my opponent. Uh, if I can get a bunch of them, chaining them together or with Blink of an Eyes or whatever. If I'm more of a tempo deck, I think Journey Mage might be better. And Tempest Gin might just be a difficult to cast Cloud Reader Sphinx, like coming down probably on the same turn without a scry. So I think this is really close. And I think I might have landed on Journey Mage here with three red cards under my belt. Like if I have three cards, of a different like i have three green cards and then i see this pack i take tempest gin 10 out of 10 times i think because i think gin is going to be very powerful in a blue green deck and less so than or more so than journey mage for sure but in a blue red deck journey mage is is quite powerful i think yeah i could see if you're blue red the journey mage i still think even in blue white i'd rather have the tempest gin than the journey mage but i, I certainly think for blue red the wizard's argument is there for the academy journey mage as well well, Finkel grabbed the Tempest Gin here, and he ended up with, surprise, surprise, a blue-red deck again. This deck even nuttier than his day one deck with Karn. He had four Academy Journey Mage, three of the Pizza Mages, three Warlord's Fury, just 16 lands. It was a really, really strong blue-red deck that ended up 2-1-ing. Yeah, looks absolutely sick. Very cool. We took a look at, what, four drafts there yeah uh that you could put yourself in the seat at the pro tour and the pods are there again i strongly strongly encourage you to go look at all of these draft pods i think you can learn a lot from how the pros think and just it's really cool getting to look at all eight seats of a draft and see what picks i feel like i learned about that skittering surveyor first pick thing just from looking at those draft viewers and that was kind of my aha moment for Mm. you know agreeing with you on taking that over all the other commons Uh, just the amount of flexibility that offers. So please go check those out. It's also really cool to get to pair. Like if you're really looking for the full Pro Tour experience, I would look at the draft logs and then I would go check out that around the table segment from twitch.tv slash magic where you can see all eight of the final deck builds. And then you also get to hear Riley Knight and Simon Gertzen talking about their impressions of what those decks look like and then hearing what the records ended up being. Like you really get the full experience of like pros drafting on day two in pod what their decks looked like what the picks were and what the records were it's a really really full experience and the other really cool thing about it is you can turn on and off the picks so for each seat you can put yourself in that seat at the pro tour see what you would have picked click show pick and see whether or not you agree with what the pro did it's a very good way to learn very good learning tool so thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give that a listen Uh, We also, our Dominaria treasure hunt is completed. The 15-hour stream is a go. Uh, Ben, when do you want to schedule that so I can make sure I go first? uh, Because (sighs) I am destroying (laughs) you in unlocking achievements. How many do you have? I think I have like seven or eight. That is impressive. I have four. By the end of this format, when my win rate no longer matters at all, (laughs) I am going to be on a full-on achievement hunt so that I can try to get that first time slot. Uh, Even though all the achievements have been unlocked, that still does not mean you should stop 
trying to unlock them yourselves because if you get five or more get entered into a giveaway for a draft set so give away some some free drafts on magic online so please continue to either email us if you're not on twitter at lords of limited at gmail.com to get us those sweet screenshots or get at us at twitter we are at lords of limited and make sure you hashtag dom treasure hunt to get entered into those giveaways um, if you want to get in touch with me or Ben individually on Twitch or Twitter, uh, we are under the, the same usernames there. I am on twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware and at Lord Tupperware on Twitter. And Ben is twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome on Twitch. And uh, Twitter handle is at Mr. Metronome. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thank you, everybody. See you later. Later.